live on air, please, my lord. Beloved people, I know that uh, you are very busy in your churches, in your church services, especially now you're sitting at a threshold uh, to prepare for the big, big meeting that is coming up in Nairobi at Central Park. This historic, super glorious, uh, historic, grand, mega healing service that will take place at the Central Park in Nairobi. And I know that today you are doing final touches left and right. That everyone, every church is talking about the travel arrangements, the travel plans, departures, the safety of the vehicles and everything. But I want to thank you very much for allowing me to come and interrupt your programs a little bit, to interrupt your agenda, your set programs in the churches. And I think that is the beautiful uh, attribute of a church that is um, walking in the will of the Lord, the church that is sensitive to the voice of God, that anytime she's called upon, she will always rise to the occasion and listen to what the Lord is saying, even as at now, as at that time. And so I really want to begin by appreciating you people, beloved people, the senior Archbishop Buana uh, DC, Buana County Commissioner retired, uh, John Listunda, the leadership you have provided, and of course the National Council of Bishops, that you have tuned the churches under your jurisdictions to be able to be sensitive to the Lord, to be able to listen to the Lord whenever the Lord would like to communicate and speak with the church, the body of Christ. And of course I thank all those abroad too who have tuned in, who are very sensitive to what the Lord is saying now and doing in the church. Now, I come to you at a time when you're preparing to live, like I said, I mean preparing to to make final touches on your departures and so forth. This mega, mega meeting, probably the biggest meeting on the face of the earth that will take place in Nairobi. And I want to come to you just to bring perspective, to bring context into this entire revival that is now consummating here. And the consummation is on. We see yesterday there were unbelievable, massive uh, numbers baptized. There was baptism all over the country, and now we have uh, in, we, we have French translators here that are communicating this revival to the French-speaking nations. But they too may feel the hunger. We have the Finnish-speaking nations. But, I mean, translator here communicating the Finnish people. We also have uh, now we have a Portuguese. Uh, translator on board at the Jesus is Lord radio campus, main campus at Asia. So surely the nations, you can imagine how large the Portuguese speaking world is and so forth. So, so now we can reach more nations upon any time the Lord or when the Lord Jehovah he chooses to speak to the church. Now, today I want to come to you and interrupt your services today, and I know that you can extend your service later after I finish with this sermon here. The Lord spoke with me about communicating to you this very important sermon on heaven. This is a sermon I've been waiting for for a long time. I've been asking the Lord, when will I talk to them about heaven? 
because you always take me to your heaven, you take me to your kingdom in heaven, you take me to your throne. You showed me so much right from day one when you called me from Israel. You began to show me heaven, you began to bring me to your heaven, and many times I've told them uh, I've just arrived from heaven. Two hours ago the Lord brought me back from heaven, I was in heaven tonight, and so forth. But when will I talk to them about heaven, heaven the place, heaven the glorious kingdom of God, Jehovah, Yahweh? And I always knew that this would be a climax uh, when the Lord does allow me to do this. It will bring a context. It will bring a perspective into all the picture, everything you see. This tremendous revival you see, it will put it now into tremendous, uh, I mean, a very unbelievable, amazing context that will fine-tune you and give you purpose and focus on every bit of this revival. Because remember, everything happening here is to prepare, prepare you, to prepare the way. Now, I want to talk about heaven today. This is supposed to be a developing story. It's going to be a developing sermon that will spread over time. And I'll speak about the New Jerusalem eventually at the end of it all. But I want to begin by just talking about the glorious kingdom of God. And in that context again, I will be able to take New Jerusalem within the prophetic timeline as we plow through today. So today I want to speak about heaven. Heaven, the glorious kingdom of God, Jehovah Yahweh, heaven, the home of the righteous, heaven, the home of the holy elect. And in this sermon about heaven, I want now to help you, beloved people, that you may begin to understand some of the big treasures that the Lord has taken me to see, has passed me through, which he had kept, I had kept, I have not shared with you, because every time I said, and heaven opened, and I saw the glory coming. So it is a tremendous thing, it's not as simple as I've said it, because then I've concealed, I've failed so much about it. Even when heaven opens, before the glory comes, just the picture, the mere seeing, seeing through the opening in heaven is tremendous. It's a shocking life transforming experience. It changes your life eternally. I've never even described the beauty of heaven that I see when he opens heaven before he releases the glory. All that. So today we are going to try to plow through and see if we can begin to develop this stuff. I develop it for you in order to fine tune your minds that you may now put every bit of the revival you are experiencing in the church, this tremendous historic revival, to now put it into perspective of heaven, the target, the object of this revival, the objective. And to begin this, beloved people, this sermon about heaven, the glorious home, the glorious kingdom of God, Jehovah Yahweh, the home of the righteous, I want to begin right away by first going to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 28, beloved people. Genesis 28, as we begin to talk about heaven, that you may understand why you are going to Nairobi for the big revival, and why you are very sick and very ill who are in hospitals, HGU, high dependence units on machines, those in ICU, intensive care units on machines, why they are going to be healed 
when this tremendous healing service takes place in Nairobi, why all this visitation? Why the outpour? I want to fine-tune and polish your focus that now you may look at everything in the context of the purpose, the purpose for which the glory comes, the purpose for which he sent me, the purpose for which he lowered the truth from heaven to come here and commune with you, communicate with you. Heaven, the purpose for which our Lord Jesus came, and of course the purpose for which we are preparing for his glorious return. So, in the book of Genesis, chapter 28, beloved people, that's where I want to begin from as we begin to blow through this very, very blessed, that when you prepare now, uh, this blessed someone, when you prepare now to go to Nairobi and uh, bring your cripples and blind and deaf and mute and lame, paralytic, spinal cord injuries, broken legs, limbs, porous bones, and all these conditions, wounds, it's chronic, that you will heal in Nairobi and in the different hospitals and in your homes where they're bedridden, that when you do so, prepare them with radio and all this, you begin to understand that all this has one focus, heaven. Heaven, the glorious kingdom of God, that the church, you, the believers, the congregation, the body of Christ, those who are righteous and holy may find their way into eternity, may now prepare. This is really to make you now Prepare for the glorious kingdom of God regardless of your rank and file on this earth. Genesis chapter 28, I'm reading from verse 9, and I'm going to read verse 9 all the way to verse 16. This is what he says. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying, verse 14. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples, now this is very, very critical, what I'm reading now, all, all peoples, all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. A beautiful scripture, beloved people. And verse 16 he says, Then Jacob woke up from his sleep. He said to himself, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. And he was afraid and he said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God 
this is the gate to heaven. So this is the heaven I want to talk about, beloved people. And you see right from the beginning, precious people, that now, when the Lord was setting out to bring the Messiah, the Lord was setting out, you see, he's sending Jacob on this side, and Jacob is going to go there because the Lord is in the process of building the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is still in his loins. The nation of Israel is still enclosed in him. And the Messiah that will come out and see Jacob arrives to this place, and of course he calls it Bethel. He arrives at this place on his journey, and when Jacob falls asleep, he takes a stone and lays it on his head as a pillow, and he falls asleep, and then at that place, the Lord places a ladder. He places a ladder that touches the earth all the way to heaven. And I want you to know that I have seen this ladder. The Lord has shown me this ladder. He has made me climb this ladder. And when I climbed, I climbed all the way to heaven and I came back. It's a tremendous situation, beloved people. But in this narrative of Jacob here, you see very clearly that the Lord places the ladder that connects the earth to heaven. And the angels of the Lord are climbing, ascending and descending. They are climbing up and climbing down. Meaning the Lord was saying that at this place I have opened heaven. Meaning I have opened heaven on you, Jacob. I have opened heaven and as I open my heaven to the earth, to you, this opening that I'm going to use you to bring to the earth will be the portal, the channel of communication, communication back and forth from heaven to the earth and the earth to heaven and heaven to the earth, the bridge. I'm going to use you, Jacob, to now bridge the earth to heaven. And I just want you people to understand the following, just to bring it into proper context and perspective, that uh, you have seen the collision of the neutral stars, and you've seen how far the Lord can take me to areas where no spacecraft, no man, humanity cannot reach. And you saw the action there, the command the Lord gave me there, the collision of the neutral stars. These are wonders, universe-shaking wonders. And then after that, you hear 130 million light years. And one light year alone is equivalent to 5.88, if I remember well, trillion miles, which you have to multiply by 130 million imperceptible, imperceivable in this life, those distances. And then later, you have heard on this radio, when the Lord takes me to the other galaxies, the trillions of galaxies on the other side, toward the end of the universe, where the gravity is too strong, nobody can ever reach, even the instruments we have cannot reach there. And then he shows me other trillions of galaxies that have not yet been discovered. And each galaxy with trillions of planets, some of them 600 billion times bigger than the Earth, and trillions of them make one galaxy. 
galaxy. Then there are more trillions of galaxies on the other side. And it takes me also towards the end, the end of the universe. There is a distance between the last galaxy and the real end of the universe. And the end of the universe sounds more like a piece of iron. I even see it now as I speak. When the Lord took me towards the end and he made me know that the oxygen tension is very low. In fact, I was breathing. He made me breathe a little faster because the oxygen levels are even lower. It's like a vacuum. And I could hear the heating sound like a metal. Something like that. The end. There is a space between the last galaxy, and I've talked about trillions of galaxies on the other side not yet discovered, where the Lord took me. But there is a distance between the last galaxy, among those trillions of galaxies undiscovered, where no rich man cannot reach there with his instruments and wisdom and technology and knowledge. There is a big distance between the last galaxy with its trillions of planets and the end of the universe. And I say this, I even see it now, it sounds more like a piece of iron at the end there with low oxygen tension and there is a hissing sound. You hear, you hear a bit of a sound in terms of the, the, the surface. It makes me know that it's like a piece of iron. It's like vacuum. So that is just how far the universe is, not yet discovered. But heaven is farther than that, beloved people. Because this universe, you see, is creation. This is created. This is not where the Lord is. The Lord is in heaven. So you must begin to develop understanding and context, beloved people, perspective on just how far heaven is. So when Jacob sees a ladder that the Lord has placed on the earth connecting heaven, it is not a joke. So when the Lord takes me to heaven on every occasion, He takes me there and brings me back in a flash like this. In a twinkling of an eye, I am already there. In a twinkling of an eye, I am here. Meaning, moving greater than the speed of light by I don't know how many zillion, trillion times. And so, Jacob sees this ladder that is connecting the earth and the heaven. And the angels, the hosts of the Lord are communicating back and forth. Meaning, I am going to use you, Jacob, as you build the nation of Israel, to bring forth a bridge. A bridge that will connect the earth to heaven. And we now know that bridge, that is our Lord Jesus Christ. That the Messiah will come from the nation of Israel, and when he comes from Israel, then now, you see, he will connect the earth to heaven however far, however distant, however separated. And as we move on, beloved people, in this very powerful sermon that you have privileged me to bring to you, you go right away to the book of Matthew chapter 4, Matthew 4 verse 17, and you see an astounding phenomenon there. You see that Matthew chapter 4 verse 17, look at what happens in Matthew 4 17, beloved people. He says, Matthew chapter 4 17, this is what he says, that you can begin verse, uh, verse 17 itself. He says, Again, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, this is what he says. And he says, 
from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Depending on which version you are reading, beloved people, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So you see very clearly that when Jesus just hit the sin, <clears throat> when he just hit the sin on the earth, the first pronouncement from his tongue, from his breath, the first command, the first message that he gave the church, the earth, humanity, the universe, creation, the first message he gave them was this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Heaven is so important, so central within the mission of the Messiah to the extent that when the Lord just stepped his feet after baptism, when he was commissioned by the Spirit of the Lord, the first pronouncement is made is prepare for the kingdom of heaven. Meaning, I have come to link you, to connect you, to bring you to the kingdom of heaven. Meaning, heaven was sitting right at the center of the mission of the Messiah. Heaven. At the center of the mission of the Messiah, beloved people. And as we move on, that is just how much important this sermon is. That is just how much important heaven is. That in whatsoever you do, whether it's the revival of baptism that has exploded out, the revival of healing, the healing anointing that the Lord has used his dreadful witnesses to unleash upon this land and beyond all the way to KwaZulu Natal. HIV is turning negative. All the deaf ears are popping open there. All the way to Ivory Coast, Abidjan, where cripples stood up and the deaf young man walked out to see it was too warm. He sat out as the healing service took place and his ears popped open out there. Whatever it is, whether in Barcelona, Helsinki, wherever, or Peru we are headed to, where we are headed to now, uh, where more than 500 pastors have gathered together and now are preparing a big meeting in Lima, Peru, or whether it is in, in, in Italy where we are headed to, all these places, Palamo, wherever it is, whatever the case, whatever the manifestation of the revival, whatever the embodiment, the realization of this revival, heaven is at its very center. Heaven is at the very center of this revival, beloved people. And he says, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. Hallelujah. And then if you go to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 11, beloved people, Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 11, Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. Look at that now. So the Lord is saying here, 
for faith, the righteous, and the holy calling of God to be holy, for I am holy. Be holy, for He is holy. How powerful. Those are the terms in which the Lord describes heaven, beloved people. How awesome that the Lord can describe heaven in such monumental, astounding form that eyes have not seen. Meaning, in your preparation for heaven, He's saying, it is such a glamour, it's a splendor, it's a treasure, no eyes have seen, no ears have heard. And in the process He says, you cannot even conceive it in this life. How precious and treasure then is heaven, beloved people. How precious and treasure is heaven. The purpose and the object, the objective of your salvation. How beautiful is heaven then. How treasured is heaven within the Christian salvation. Now you understand the purpose for which God sent Christ. Because last Sunday, you saw, I gave you a sermon, I delivered a sermon here in which he died outside the gate, hanging on the tree, cast his head that hangs on the tree, outside the gate, that he may sanctify you to enter and justify you to enter within the sanctity, the holiness of the inside of the gate, which I say is the inside of heaven. That's why he came out of heaven to die outside the gate that you may now enter holy into the kingdom of God. We saw that. And I majored on two, the two major gains of the gospel. And I say remission from sin, which is the, the atonement of sin, and I say the second gain of the gospel of the cross of Jesus is access to God. And I put it in this form. I say, meeting God face to face. And the stairs are delayed. Meaning, those who are climbing those stairs that I saw in that prophecy, I guess, January 15, 2017. Those are the ones going to meet God face to face. Now, today, I am talking about when you have entered there. When you have entered there, the entry into heaven, to go and see God face to face. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it says here in Amos chapter 4, verse 12, as I build this sermon before you, beloved people, therefore, this is what I will do for you, I will do to you, Israel, and because I will do this to you, Israel, prepare to meet your God. How powerful. Talking about entry to heaven. He's saying, in as much as you prepare about entry, the real gist of it, the real core of that objective of entry is to meet God face to face. Heaven is to meet God, beloved people. And if you look at the blueprint of creation, in the book of Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, you will still see the centrality of heaven being well laid in the creation of the church. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, the two verses. He says, then God says, let us make 
mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that crawl, that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image and in the image of God created he them. Male and female he created them. So when you look at the real blue, the blueprint of creation, then there too you see heaven. You see the objective of heaven well laid in the foundation of the creation of man. In other words, let us make mankind create him the trinity, the triunity, the Godhead are having a discussion, they are having a conversation about the creation of men. And you know that we have one God, one God in three forms. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All of them, one God. It's just like you would have, uh, uh, I don't know what example to give you, maybe water. Yeah? Water exists in vapor form, when you boil it, it's vapor. Then sometimes it's frozen as ice, that is still water. Then sometimes it's liquid, that is still water. It's the three forms, still water. It's talk about the three forms of one God. The Godhead, the triune God. And he says, when he says, they, they discuss, and they say, let us create man in our own eternal image. The image and likeness of God is eternal. So, even in the creation of man, you see a fingerprint of God's eternity laid on it. The fingerprint of God's eternity is laid on the creation of man. Let us create him in our image and likeness, meaning be holy and righteous, holy image and righteous likeness, the, the image of holiness and the likeness of righteousness, that is eternity, that man may live eternally. So you see the fingerprint of eternity, the fingerprint of heaven is laid on the creation of man, beloved people. I know that you are very busy in your churches watching the beautiful healing, the historic cripples healed and how they were crawling on the soil and they are lifted up. It's a beautiful thing, but I just wanted to bring perspective into it that the object of that, the purpose of this visitation is heaven, that the church may enter heaven. That is my mission. That's why he lowered me from heaven to prepare the nation. Heaven is at the center of this mission. That the king, the darling of heaven, the king of righteousness is heaven, in heaven, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is coming to take a people prepared for heaven. Hallelujah. So you see, the Lord in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, as we've seen Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 11, and we've seen in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 to 10, we've seen in the book of Amos chapter 4, verse 12, and in the book of Genesis 
chapter 1 verses 26 27 we see very clearly that right from the beginning God has ingrained he has ingrained in mankind the fact that eternity is the purpose of creation he has ingrained he has left a fingerprint ingrained to, 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 to crystallize in the hearts and minds of men that heaven is the purpose for which you are created in other words, he's saying that the soul, the souls of men are eternal, right from creation, beloved people. This is powerful. The souls of men belong to heaven, right from creation. Now you see the fingerprint of God's hand when he created man, the fingerprint of eternity, of heaven on man. So nobody can even lie, I don't believe in God. They cannot say such a thing. And when you now move to the book of Matthew chapter 6, beloved people, Matthew chapter 6, awesome service, that as you enjoy those miracles, those wonders that the Lord has done in your midst by sending the two dreadful witnesses of Revelation 11 to you, as you enjoy that astounding, astronomical, heavenly anointing that raises those cripples all the way from Nairobi to wherever they are, you may now maturely have perspective and context that you may know why he's doing this thing. That when the creepers will be healed at Uruba, when you see the two dreadful witnesses doubled, and two days ago they were walking here, even this past night, you know, you see the serious communication, you see one coming, crossing, and they interchanging from one to the other. When you see these wonders of this hour, the latter anointing he promised, that you may have heaven as your target, that you may know that he's doing all these things in your witness, in your seeing, in your observance, in your midst, with one purpose, that he may draw you to heaven, that you may hear and prepare. And if you go to the book of Matthew, beloved people, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13, look at what he says. Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, thy kingdom come, is talking about the kingdom of heaven. The prayer that Jesus, when Jesus began to teach the church how to pray, the focus was heaven and the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of eternity with God. How powerful, beloved people. Whether it's the resurrection of the dead, the composing crops called Mama Rosa. Mama Rosa from, from South Pocos, a dead corpse that is cotton and it sends me all the way from Helsinki. I see her, I see she's already buried six feet under and then decree her resurrection and in the name of Jesus she resurrects. Whether it's that resurrection or the creepers walking or the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the mute speaking, paralytic field, the lame legs straightened, pulled and columns added, strengthened and put down that they may step now and draw the crutches and the walking aid, whatever the case, wounds heal, cancer dry, bleeding diseases, bleeding diseases stop, whatever it be, the cloud come down, rain come down from heaven, the purpose was heaven, it is heaven. 
Jehovah Yahweh. How powerful that finally we are here. And that's why I'm saying the conversation that the Lord is having with the church in Kenya and those abroad who have been following this move of God, those who plugged in, you can see that this is a very lofty conversation. It's now a very high conversation to the extent that you wonder the other nations that will still begin from the wedding ring. Send me there for three days. Seven hours in the coming of the Messiah. You wonder whether they will catch up because this church has spoken Revelation 11 and she's now talking about heaven. But the Lord, His hand, His saving and delivering hand is not too short to deliver any nation, beloved people. But you see, when Jesus is beginning to teach the church how to pray, teach mankind, humanity, how to pray, the prayer is strictly, is the center of that prayer is eternity, the kingdom of God, is heaven. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those who debt us, those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Huh? And he goes on, for you are the kingdom and the glory. That prayer, the Father's prayer, the prayer Jesus told, is about the kingdom of heaven coming to you, the church, to mankind. In other words, mankind going to heaven. So heaven is at the very center of the church, of the mission of salvation, of the mission of the cross, of the objective, the purpose for your redemption. Heaven is at the center. And that's why even as we enjoy the prophetic timeline, the fulfillment of prophecy in the Bible, the latter glory, the two witnesses, and all these beautiful things, wondrous things that are happening, astounding and shocking. At the center of it, the purpose is to connect you and focus you, focus your hearts and minds to heaven that you may prepare. Look at the same Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Look at what he says there. Then the Lord Jesus speaks very beautifully there. Verse 33 he says, But seek first his kingdom, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. He talks about, he, he begins to direct the priority of man. And he's telling the church and mankind that let your priority always be to seek first eternity in heaven with God before anything else. That is just how central heaven is, beloved people. That let you always seek heaven first. The kingdom of God in heaven first. And the righteousness that really delivers you there, that takes you to heaven. And then everything else, you can talk about this temporary life. In other words, this life is temporary. Make sure your focus is heaven. And I have gone all over the world. I've 
has gone all over the world, including Brisbane, Australia, including all the way to gifted musicians. And I've always told all over the world, and I've said, in whatsoever you do, at this tremendous hour in the church, make sure you always develop an eternal perspective in everything you do. A heavenly perspective in everything you do. Meaning, focus on heaven. Ask yourself, how does speaking this phone call help my eternity in heaven? If it's a man laughing at you, a woman laughing at you, if it's something that you know is going to detract you, to detour you, to pull you apart from the mission of heaven, how does this help? Or if it's someone calling you, let's go have a Bible study. How does this, he said, let everything you undertake be centered around your entry to heaven, the kingdom of God in heaven. And still in building this tremendous sermon, if you look at the book of Isaiah, beloved people, Isaiah 26, Isaiah 26, verses 19 on, they focus in heaven. Isaiah sees the Messiah comes and the church enters heaven. Isaiah 26, verse 19 on, look at what he says here. But your dead will live and their bodies will rise. You, again here, this is another version of NIV, let me just read as it is. He says, but your dead will live, Lord, their bodies will rise, let those who dwell in the dust of the earth wake up and shout for joy, for your dew is like the dew of the morning, and the earth will give birth to her dead. Verse 20 says, Go my people, look at that entry there. Go my people, enter your rooms and shut the doors behind you and hide yourselves for a little while until his wrath has passed by. See, the Lord is coming out of his dwelling in heaven to punish the peoples of the earth for their sins. And the earth will disclose the bloodshed upon her. She will conceal her slain no longer. The purpose of this entire conversation, this vision Isaiah saw, is heaven. Isaiah sees, go my people, enter your rooms. And now Isaiah describes heaven. I have seen this vision here. The Lord has taken me to heaven. I have seen the church entering. He got the current theme of the conversation that the Lord has engaged me with, or with the whole earth, is about the glorious cares of God. And I have seen people entering. And then the door shuts. It shuts. The door is shut. This is the current theme of the conversation I am engaging the whole earth on right now. The entry of the holy elect into the kingdom of heaven. And Isaiah now brings it and says, there is a big house. Isaiah now brings context, greater context of heaven. That heaven is like the father's house. And there are many rooms there, and each one has a mansion, a room there, according to whichever mansion you read. A mansion there. How powerful. And he says, that should be the focus of the conversation in the church today. That should be the purpose 
when you are watching the cripples that are walking, the way you are enjoying watching them in the church today, the blind, the deaf that are seeing, all these tremendous events, beloved people, watching them and enjoying them, then your purpose and objective is that, wow, we have beheld the, the coming kingdom. We have beheld the glory of the kingdom that comes. The reason this is happening is because the kingdom of heaven is near. The reason God is showing us this that we may prepare to enter heaven. How powerful, beloved people. How mighty. How tremendous. And he says, in the book of Revelation, I'm reading Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 to 2. This is what he says. Then I was given a reed, like a measuring rod, and told, go and measure the temple of God, its altars, the altar with its worshippers. But exclude the outer court, the outside court, the outer court, do not measure it, because it has been given to the Gentile nations, they will trample on it, on the holy city, for 42 months, three and a half years of the great tribulation. That is Daniel's 70th week. The last half of Daniel's 70th week, the three and a half uh, days of Daniel's 70th week. The great tribulation, beloved people. And he's saying that even here, when the Lord was talking about the mission of the messengers that talk to you now, his two dreadful prophets that he would promise, that he promised would come to prepare the nation. He says, there is a road that was given him, John, to measure in his vision, to measure the city. He says, to measure the temple of God, the altar of God, and the worshippers there. In other words, the Lord is saying, can you do a survey for me? Survey for me this property, measure it, this is now mine. Then he says, the outer one, don't measure it, not mine. I've been left to them to trample. He's setting out the center from which he's going to establish the kingdom of heaven. Measure for me this part. This is the part that is going to be the center of the earth. The center of the kingdom of heaven that anchors on the earth. The anchor of the kingdom. Hey! Tremendous beloved people. The centrality of heaven in the mission of the Messiah. The centrality of heaven in the mission of the salvation of the grace he brought. It was all about heaven. And that's why when you see the church in the United States, in Europe, in Australia, New Zealand, in all of Africa, Nigeria, Abuja, Lagos, everywhere, to Johannesburg, in Nairobi, in Bungoma, wherever, if you see the posted church, then you understand one thing. They have lost the very core, the very mission, the mission statement of the salvation of the grace, the very purpose he brought it. They have lost it. Hey. Senior Bishop Joanne, can you ensure that uh, my clarity is good because I may not teach this again. The recording is right, the transmission is right, and the clarity is good because I may not teach this again. Yes, please, my Lord, the mightiest prophet of the Lord, please. Thank you very much. So we continue. So you see, when you look at the post church 
today. The church in sexual sin. The church in deception and lies. Where false prophets are around it. Then you understand that, wow, they have lost the very mission, the core mission of the Christian salvation of the grace that God unleashed. Favored us with, lavished us with, by saving Jesus. Heaven must be at the center. If you see they are fallen to the worldliness, meaning the earth is at the center of their Christian salvation. They will perish here, this temporary earth. And he's saying that Christian salvation ought to be righteous, ought to be holy, ought to be incorruptible, imperishable, immortal. Why? Because the focus is eternity in heaven with God and with Christ the Messiah. That is the mission he sent me to reactivate on the earth, to awaken mankind to this mission. Hey. And he measures, he says, he gave me a measuring rod, and he says, and I was told, go and measure the temple, and the altar, and the worshippers. And he says, only that is mine. Don't measure the other. The other will be left for the great tribulation. But this one you measure, the temple, the altar, the worshippers there, say, this will be the core, the altar of my eternal kingdom, when the Messiah comes to articulate and anchor the foundation of the eternal kingdom of God on the earth, the reign of the Messiah, on this real estate, this property here. This is mine. The purpose is the eternal kingdom of God, the glorious kingdom of God, Yahweh, Jehovah, Elohim, in heaven. No wonder Jacob saw the stair, the, the, the ladder, and the, the horse, the heavenly horse were going up and down. Up and down. They were going up into heaven, coming down, connecting the earth to the eternal kingdom of heaven. How powerful, beloved people. And now, in that going up and down, if you turn to John chapter 14, John chapter 14, beloved people, in that up and down, John chapter 14, if you don't mind, John 14, we're beginning from verse 1, talking about the kingdom of heaven, the very center of the gospel, the center of Christian salvation, the center of the Holy Spirit, his mission, and the great visitation you are undertaking now. And I will share with some people this past weekend, some bishops, the senior bishop, I will ask them, are you even aware? Are you even aware that the Holy Spirit is bigger than the entire universe? Are you aware? I said some of these things I don't share with you. Some of them are concealed. Are failed. I only give you veiled form. Are you even aware that the mission of the mighty blessed one of Israel, the Holy Spirit, was this heaven that the church, mankind, may be connected to the eternal kingdom of heaven. John 14, beginning verse 1 to 6, it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. 
Isaiah saw. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there? In other words, to prepare a place for you? In other words, if that was so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. <laughs> you know the way to where I am going. Again, when Jesus was now talking, you see, this is really well, the, the Last Supper. This is after, at the Last Supper now, when the mission is coming to an end. He says, let not your heart be troubled. I am going to leave now. I'm going to leave now. Please don't be anxious. Don't be depressed. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't fear. Don't panic. Don't be anxious for nothing. I am going to heaven. I'm going back to heaven. And if I go there, I'm going to prepare a place for the church there. Then I'll come back and take you to be with me up there. The mission was heaven. The mission of the Messiah was to take the church to heaven. This nudity you see, this immorality you see, abortion in the church, homosexuality in the church, lies, false prophets, false apostles, false gospel, preachers of, of flesh, of the world that you see today, so-called motivational speakers you see today. This thing was not the mission of the Messiah. The mission of the Messiah and his salvation of the grace was heaven, that the church and mankind may now be connected, the mission, the objective of their life on the earth, be essentially to prepare for the kingdom of heaven, with God in heaven, kingdom of eternity. In verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Then Jesus answered, he gave the most powerful statement, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know. So this is so powerful, beloved people. You know my Father. He's saying, when Jesus is talking about heaven to the church, and this is the church now, he presented heaven as the Father's house. He's saying, heaven is the Father's house and he's going to prepare rooms for you. Meaning, he's trying to help the church to understand that the earth is not your home. That heaven is your home. That's where your Father's home is. Meaning, he's saying that we are Christians, we are a family. We Christians, those that believe in Christ, Jew or Gentile, is saying we are one family with a firstborn called Christ Jesus the Lord. And he says heaven now, heaven is like our father's home. That's how Jesus presents it. And you know when you come back home, you only say home sweet home, oh home sweet home. East or West home is best. So why is the church saying the earth is best? When he told us clearly that this earth is not our home. Heaven and eternity with God is our home. And he presents a thesis here. In his thesis, he presents heaven as the Father's home. Where everybody has a mansion in there. 
Elisha, how powerful. Elisha is there. A dwelling. All of us will live in heaven with God. Meaning, he's presenting to us that in heaven there will be comfort. You know, when you come back home, you meet comfort. You meet safety. You meet provision. You meet rest. All these things that are paid to home, he was trying to lay in his thesis to the church. He was saying, heaven is like when you come back home. And that's why when I was standing at the center of Stockholm, Sweden, this year, I said, we are going home. When you see the stairs already laid in the sky, that means we are going home. And I shouted it several, going home, going home. We are returning home. This earth is not our home. Why? Because that is heaven. That is how Jesus presented eternity, heaven to the church. And the way to heaven, he says is in Matthew chapter 7. He says Matthew 7, 13 to 14. You all know that scripture, beloved people. Matthew 7. <coughs> Matthew 7, 13, 14. And he says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to hell, to destruction, to the lake of fire. And many love to enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it that leads to eternal life. He's saying that the road that leads to heaven is a narrow road. And that is a beautiful thing because he is bringing reward and consolation to the church that in whatsoever you do, whatever the persecution, whatever the trials, whatever the temptation you go through, persevere. And that when you persevere, the reward is greater. The road is constricted on the earth. It is not popular here, but there is eternity. It leads you to the home of your father back home. Eternity. The kingdom of heaven, beloved people. Sorry. Isaiah 35 pronounces the same thing. Isaiah came through in Isaiah 35, verses 8 to 9, he pronounced the same way that you see in John chapter 14, 1 to 6, when Thomas asked him, but Lord, we do not know where you are going to. How can we know the way to there? He said, hey, Thomas, you did not know that the reason I came is to deliver the church into heaven, to connect you to the kingdom of heaven. That's why you see, even when it was time for the Lord in heaven to send me to the earth, he has sent me the message, repent and prepare the way for the kingdom of heaven. Heaven is in hand, is at hand. It's always about the kingdom of heaven, beloved people. How can you lose focus on that? It's more difficult to lose focus on that. Isaiah 35, 8 and 9. And the highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way, in that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there. Nor any ferocious or avenuous beast. 
And he says, they will not be found there, but only the redeemed of the Lord will walk there. That is the way that the Lord described to Thomas and the church that leads to a heaven. The way that leads to heaven through the cross. He asked, and then out of there came a tremendous statement. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That nobody comes to the Father's home, to the Father, to see Him face to face in the kingdom of heaven, except through Christ Jesus the Lord. How powerful. And now, Revelation chapter 1, stepwise as I begin to transition, is a very long sermon, beloved people. It's a very long sermon. I hope you have time. But I need to teach about heaven. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, so I get a little deeper now. Revealing heaven to you. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. The very mission why the Lord said to the earth. To lead the nation. To lead the church. To lead you to the glorious eternal kingdom of God in heaven. The kingdom of the Messiah. Our God and His Messiah. The kingdom of the Holy Spirit. And you see the book of Revelation chapter 1 from verse 19. He says... We can actually read all through from verse 1 if you wish of us. Uh, the many, it's just a tremendous treasure here. From verse 9. Revelation chapter 1, begin verse 9, we can read down. And then I'll describe to you. Talking about heaven now. And he says, I, John, your brother and companion, in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance, that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Christ Jesus the Lord. Verse 10. He says, On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which says, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches to Ephesus to Smyrna to Pergamon Satyra Sardis Philadelphia and Lodicia I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in robes, reaching down to his feet. Now John is describing heaven, beloved people. And with a golden sash around his chest, I have described to you when the Lord appeared to me in the sky, the sash that ran, tremendous sash, the crown, how he touches the crown and walks across the sky. But look at the narrative of John. With a golden sash around his chest. His hair on his head was as white as wool, white like wool, 
as white as snow, and his eyes like blazing fire. I remember too well one time. In this country, when we were meeting at the Riverside Drive, many cripples had walked into Kisumu. And then some media house attempted to blackmail me. And I was so broken, you know, I was so hurt in front of the bishop. And I literally got from the chair and I fell on the, on the carpet and I went and I asked the Lord, why this other cripple will just return from this mission? I wept so bitterly. I said, Lord, why do you allow this? When cripples have walked in light numbers, when I've been so faithful to you, I remember I wept before the bishop, so everybody wept. That night, the Lord Jesus himself appeared to me in the bedroom. Appeared to me. Appeared himself. It was like the sun has entered there. And I could see the outline of his hair. And the eyes were like blazing fire. I've described this to the bishop and many of you. So this is a tremendous moment here. I can relate to this. In describing heaven, John says in Revelation chapter 114, the hair on his head was as white as wool. But for me, the entire room, first of all, God has, has brightened on the top. And then I could see the outline of the hair. Then the eyes were like blazing flame coming through. Tremendous. Some other things we cannot describe here. And he says, we are like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a fire. And his voice was like the sound of rushing water. And for me, when he appeared on that day, then he spoke to me. Then he said, he will fight. Then he told me, you fight also. Then I knew that we would fight now. The Lord will fight with me. And of course, then things changed. You see that? So look at this now. Like bronze glowing in a sun. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Verse 16. In his hand, he held seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun. You see what I meant? Shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell on my on his feet. He went down. As dead. As though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and he said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and hate. Who is that? The Messiah. So now, in this narrative of heaven, you see that heaven is where we will meet the Messiah face to face, beloved people. You're beginning to understand the, the, the narrative of John here, the Holy Spirit now beginning to give different understanding, deeper understanding about heaven. That is where we'll meet the Messiah in his two colors now. The face like the radiance of the sun. Trillions of suns. The glory abound in heaven. That is being described here. The home of the glory of God. 
we will meet the Messiah face to face. We will see the splendor and the majesty of the Messiah. He is describing heaven to you. Who wants to miss this? Who wants to miss to meet the Messiah? Face to face. And he says, when I saw this, he fell down. Then he told him, I am the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega. Hallelujah. And he has shut down the key. He holds the key to death. Right there for what you have seen. What is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in the right hand, that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars of the seven angels to the seven churches. The seven angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Tremendous conversation about the church. But you get a little glimpse of heaven, beloved people. The home of glory. Where we will meet the Messiah face to face. How powerful. And to advance this, I move on now to the book of Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, beloved people. Still describing heaven to you. There's someone on heaven. And I'm going to come to a place where I will now describe the new Jerusalem. Tremendous. All these things the Lord has shown me. It is time for me now to give this sermon. Revelation 4. If you read from verse 1. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Again, after this I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I heard first speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. So this is tremendous, beloved people. You see now, the Lord tells him, Come up here. That is the rapture of the church, essentially. That is the archetype, the prototype, the typing, the foreshadowing of the rapture church. How the church will be taken up there. Same, like all this going to heaven, when he takes me to heaven, he has been simulating the taking of the church also. Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Verse 2. At once I was in the spirit... And he goes on to say, Then before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. He's saying that heaven is where the throne of God is. And the throne of his Christ, the Lamb of his Father, his God, and the Lamb of God, Jehovah Yahweh, and the Lamb. When we go, we will see the throne of God. And you remember, I have seen the throne of God in several occasions. He took me there. The real source when you all know when he sent John the Baptist from the throne to speak with me when I stood before the throne and the glory covered the throne and the Father was seated on the throne and then he opened my eyes and I saw the glorious throne of the Lamb and he appeared like they had been slaughtered blood was flowing on the glory of his chest from his neck. Then after that, the prophecies I gave, the changes in Jerusalem, and John came and disappeared in me, and then the Lamb came to me. All these things are spoken, beloved people. Some have concealed also. 
That was the very first time I stood before the throne of God. But look now, beloved people. He's talking here. He's presenting heaven to the church. He's saying, heaven is where we will see the Christ face to face. And the radiance of His glory. And the fire of His eyes. And the sword from His tongue. His majesty. His ferocity. A conqueror. As a victorious king. And then He says, it is where the throne of God is. We will see the throne of God and worship. Before the throne, worship and see God face to face. How awesome. Who wants to go to hell then? And he says, and he says again, at, at once I was in the spirit there before, then before there was a throne in heaven. Meaning heaven is where the throne of God is, with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper. Can you just imagine Jasper? How brilliant and precious. And ruby. Can you imagine rubies? How precious and costly. He's now telling us about the splendor of heaven that nobody wants to miss. And the rainbow that, again he says, he says, and, and the rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. Can you imagine the glory and the treasure of emeralds all shining, covering the throne of God? This is just how splendorous and glamorous heaven is. It's an awesome place, beloved people. Many times as he took me there, I have not described this to you. And I said, today I have to do this. That you may understand that the purpose of this revival, even the coming to Nairobi for the great revival, is heaven. That you may get to enter, prepare and enter the kingdom of heaven. Considering the glamour and the splendor and the brilliance and the radiance and the treasure I'm describing, so you can now forego anything and everything to make sure that you uphold righteousness, uphold holiness, and enter heaven. How awesome! And it says, surrounding the throne were twenty-four other thrones, and seated on them were the twenty-four elders. I have seen this, I have described this when he brought me and I stood between some two elders as I sat, I could see their throne surrounded like this and he brought me between some two elders, that's why I stood and I stood before the throne of God and the glory covered the entire throne. I have seen this, I have preached this all over from 2003 January. And he says, 24 elders, they were dressed in white in fact, let me describe a little more here. Their thrones are also covered with glory. What he did, he covered the same glory that is on the throne, flowed and covered. You could see the elder though, but the glory was surrounding their thrones like this, like this. Even where I stood was the glory, the glory reached me on the up to the chest. The glory of God, the splendor of the glory of heaven. He's describing heaven. And he's saying heaven is the home of the glory of God. He talk about the patriarchs, the apostles, and the patriarchs of Israel. And he goes on to say, again he says, 24 elders, they were dressed in white and had a crown of gold on their head. From the throne 
can flash of lightning, rumbling, and peal. It's a peal of thunder. In front of the throne was a lamp. Seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne was what looked like a sea, rather a sea of glass, clean and crystal. And the center around the throne was a living creature. And so forth. He's saying, heaven is where we will see the throne of God face to face. How awesome. How powerful, beloved people. And he says, in Amos chapter 3 verse 7, that the Lord will never do a thing. He does nothing except that the Lord reveals to his prophet. Except he reveals to his prophet, he cannot do a thing. How awesome that he has revealed to me about heaven. And to come and tell you, he's about to do it. The stairs have lowered. They have been lowered. And why is talking about heaven? The book of Philippians, beloved people. Philippians chapter 1. Still talking about heaven and building for you this tremendous sermon on heaven. Philippians chapter 1 verse 23. Look at what he says. He says, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Meaning, while I'm living on this earth here, I am torn between two to continue here or to depart from the earth and be with Christ and that is better. He's using this to describe heaven. That heaven will be much, much, much better. No comparison. Much better than the earth. That's why we need to invest in preparing for heaven. And he says, that is where we will be with Christ our Lord eternally. How powerful, beloved people. With the Redeemer. To love Him. To worship Him. To adore Him. I always imagine that day. I always say, when finally I finish the mission the Lord has sent me on the earth, I've always planned, I've always had a big conversation here. And the two, I have seen that the two when they arrive after they finish the mission, they will lie down on their face like this, at the feet of Christ and Jehovah God. Don't lie with their bellies and the head and hands straight forward in front like this. I long for that day. I've been planning this all through that when I finally finish the mission, I long for when I'll go and lie before my God Jehovah, God the Father. And I've always planned that that day I will lie down before Him, totally with my face down in heaven and the hands straight forward, the legs down, my belly and the two of us, and before God, before His Christ, and before the Holy Spirit and just lie down before him and say, I have completed the mission. I have always longed for this. Throughout for many years, every day, many times. I say, Lord, when I finish, I will come and lie down before you and your Christ and the Holy Spirit under the Lordship, your Lordship, the Lordship of the Messiah, the Lordship of the Holy Spirit and just lie down and say, Lord, I have finished the mission. And he says here that heaven is where we will be with Christ forever, with God the Father forever, with the Holy Spirit forever. 
of God, of the Godhead, under the protection, the comfort. How powerful. How mighty. And if you go to the book of 2 Corinthians, beloved people, 2 Corinthians, if you turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, you still get the same understanding. What he's trying to relay about heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. This is what he says. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. He says the following. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Using that still to describe heaven. He's saying that the church of Christ now globally at this important prophetic hour, prophetic moment, ought to be focused on the kingdom of heaven which is actually eternal and this one on the earth is temporary. He's saying you need not go to university to be told that this one of the earth is temporary so you need to focus on the eternal one which is the kingdom of heaven. He said, no, that is absolutely clear to all. And he says, in the book of Luke 23, beloved people, still talking about heaven, bringing you the understanding of what heaven looks like. Luke 23, beloved people, the book of Luke, turn with me to Luke chapter 23, verse 43. Look at what he says about heaven. Luke 23, 43, beloved Precious people, precious saints. And he says this about heaven. Psalm 43. And then he says, Jesus answered, Truly I tell you today, truly I tell you, comma, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus, while on the cross, and there was this criminal that was crying to him and saying, Lord, this sinner, please remember me when you go to your kingdom. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus now calls heaven paradise. He uses this to evangelize to us that heaven is paradiso, paradise. And you know what paradise looks like. There is no death. There is no anxiety. No pain. No fear. No sadness. No mourning. No weeping. No unemployment. No cancer. Name it. Everything. No disease. No sickness. No unemployment. No divorce. Heaven would be paradise. Eternal joy. And peace. And blessedness. Nothing. And he said that heaven is paradise and the church ought to be focused on paradise. So when I see Christians walking on the earth, I expect to be seeing the citizenry, the citizens of paradise in whatever the tumult and the mayhem the world may bring. I still see people who are they are smiling they have joy because they are focused on paradise that is coming their citizenry their citizenship is in paradise in heaven hey. talking 
about heaven, beloved people. And I told you this is a very long sermon. I just hope you give me time, beloved people, that I may share with you the heart of God. Heaven. The home of the righteous. The home of the church. Where the church will be. Where the elect, the holy elect will be. And then I'll talk about the new Jerusalem. And then it will, it will even get better. It will get mightier. Heaven. And some of you have seen your entry to heaven. There are people that have seen your entry to heaven. Some in the office here in Nairobi. And some everywhere. I've seen some people. And you know, I get to see. It shows me quite a lot. So the book of Psalm 23, beloved people. Psalm 23. Still talking about heaven. While the focus is verse 6, I can begin from the beginning. Psalm 23 from verse 1 to 6. Look at what he says. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not lack. I will lack nothing. I will not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path. And he says, for his name's sake, he does that. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. For you are with me. And he says, you are Lord and you are staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Remember, I was bringing you to verse 6. Then he says, verse 6 Surely your goodness and love and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is heaven. He's talking about in verse 6. He calls it now. He makes us know that heaven is the house of the Lord. He calls it here the house of the Lord, where we will dwell in comfort, protection and safety, and joy and peace forever and ever. Surely goodness and mercy, love and joy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. He now administers this message to the church that heaven is essentially the house of the Lord. Is our home where we will go and we will feel this is our home, one family together now, and we will sit and talk about what happened on the earth, how we suffered, what we went through, and how we overcame. And you will discuss also, you will discuss who did not make it. Heaven, Galatians, the book of Galatians. Chapter 4, still talking about heaven, bringing heaven to you, that you may now celebrate those miracles and prepare for Nairobi in context with perspective, beloved people. The book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 4, look at what he says here, Galatians 4.26, and he says, 
Galatians 4.26. If you begin from 25. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem. But she is in slavery with her children. Verse 26. But Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. And he goes on, but he says, but the Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. And he now presents heaven here as the new Jerusalem, beloved people. The new Jerusalem. So before I go into into the, the, the exchange, the new Jerusalem, now to be able to connect you now to the new Jerusalem, which is the definition of heaven, beloved people, I first want to look at a very tremendous prophecy that Jesus gave in the book of Matthew chapter 16. Before we handle the new Jerusalem, beloved people, precious saints. Na wana nasema ya kwamba mbingu ufangu wa mungu binguni ni wa udamana sana sana na kuna chochote inazaka linganishwa na hilo ufalme na nasema ya kwamba kwa udamana wake na utukufu wake na umilele wake na uzuri wake na amani yake na baraka zake ambao mekitarajia pale ametutairishia pale hakuna yeyete ambao ni mkristo aneza kafanya chochote ambao ineza kusababisha akote kuingia pake na nasema agizo lake kwa kanisa ni ya kwamba mufanye bidi mwakikishe muingie kwenye ufalme wa mbinguni ufalme wa milele hata kama nichukua kuchukua utakatifu kuchukua uhaki na kuacha unajisi wa ulimwengu huu itabidi mufanye hivyo kwa mana ni ya faida sana itakuwa na faida wa milele umilele for the swahili listeners I am now getting back to the prophecy that the Lord gave about heaven before I get into the new Jerusalem transmit with you. Matthew chapter 16 verse 28 let us see what he says here. And he says beloved people then I tell you I tell you truly I tell you some of you who are standing here will not taste death before you see the son of man coming in his kingdom he's talking about the kingdom of God the kingdom of the messiah the kingdom of his Christ the kingdom of our God in heaven the kingdom of eternity he gave this prophecy beloved people that some of you standing here you will not taste death until you see the coming kingdom of heaven how awesome and in the book of Luke chapter 9 verse 27 look at what he says here Luke 9 27 he says truly I tell you some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God Still describing the kingdom of heaven, Jesus was giving a prophecy to the church right before him. And then when you turn to Matthew chapter 17, 
17, Matthew 17, from verse 1 I will read as where I can. It says, after six days, Jesus took him with him, Peter and James and John, the brothers of James. Again, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James, Peter, James and John, the brother of James, and led them to the sons of his lady, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, then a brilliant cloud came and covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Then the disciples heard this and fell face down on the ground and terrified. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. And when they woke up, when they looked up, they saw none except Jesus alone. As they were coming down, he told them, Please do not. Do not tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead and taken up into the kingdom of glory, the kingdom of heaven. And then there they have a conversation, and then he says, no, he comes to prepare things. He will come to prepare things. Jesus speaks with you. But you see very clearly that the Lord Jesus gives a prophecy in Matthew 16, verse 28, and Luke chapter 9, 27, that some of you standing here will not taste death until you see the kingdom of glory, the kingdom of heaven. And then in a moment, they go up the mountain and see the glory. That prophecy is fulfilled there. They see the kingdom of heaven. In a moment, they see the kingdom of heaven, beloved people. And they see the heavenly host coming. Transfiguration. The kingdom of heaven. Transfiguration is the kingdom of heaven. Whoever has seen it has seen the kingdom of heaven. Before seeing death. Then Revelation chapter 4. Look at what he says. After this, I look. Now he's talking to John. John was one of those that were standing there who received the prophecy of Matthew 16 28. And then went on the mountain of transfiguration. Then he saw the kingdom of heaven coming down. Including he that speaks with you. And then now, Revelation chapter 4, the same John now in Patmos, look at what happened, verse 1. After this I looked, and there before me was the door standing open in heaven. And the voice I heard first, I had heard first, speaking to me like a trumpet says, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven, and someone sitting on it. John now fulfills this prophecy here, the prophecy of Matthew 16, verse 28. John, before he dies, sees the kingdom of heaven a second time. How often? 
awesome, beloved people. How powerful a transfiguration is so the kingdom of heaven come down. And now John finally is taken into heaven and is told to write, is commanded to write what he sees to bring it to the church. And that's why I say, today I want to talk about this. And if I had a stronger team in Nairobi, they would have written so many oracles about these things the Lord is showing me. I guess our location in Africa here, a lot of handicapped, we are not able to write these oracles. The glory, the transfiguration, the throne of God, the kingdom, the blood moon that appeared before the throne of God, John the Baptist, all these things. But this, we have not written these oracles. I guess we are, you know, we are lowly, you know, the lowly presentation, beloved people. But if it was in the U.S., these would be big books and volumes in Europe and everywhere else. I hope one day we can write this thing. Because it's by writing that now you can have access to what John saw. For the prophets of the Bible saw. We need to write. But he says, in John chapter 8 again, I'm now going to verse 51. Look at what he says here. John 8, 51. He says, Verily, truly, I say unto you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. So really, John now becomes the embodiment of the fulfillment of the prophecy of Matthew 16 to 28. And then now, look at that now. Now also this prophecy in John chapter 8, 51. So this is the prophecy Jesus gave, and then John goes into heaven and gets the revelation that we are about to delve into. We are about to enter and read about heaven. And I'm using the Bible so I can also bring to you now everything he has shown me. Maybe not really everything, but what I've seen. The throne of God. Every time he takes me to his throne, even the new Jerusalem he takes me to, the key of life is tremendous, beloved people. You don't want to miss heaven and burn and go and incinerate in hell with the demons and Satan huh? and suffer with worms and smell of death. Remember, I have been to hell. God took me to hell also, and I saw, and it was unbelievable what I saw. The past, the burning, the smell, the state, the everything, the fire. He wanted me to teach this to you. Then he brought me back. That I may be able to warn you people. And nobody ever preached hell more than Jesus Christ the Lord himself. That you may avoid going there, beloved people. But why should I preach you and the benefits of heaven at this altar? Why should I preach about hell? I want to preach heaven now. So now we can turn, beloved people, to the book of Revelation chapter 5 and begin the journey of exploring heaven. Now Revelation chapter 5, then I'll get to chapter 4. Revelation chapter 5, beloved people, let us now talk about heaven. Having built that tremendous, wonderful foundation in this summer. And you can read on from verse 1 to 14. This is what he says. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, meaning heaven is where the throne of God is. 
and scroll with writing on both sides and the seals. And in all that scroll, I have preached it. I have preached about the release of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And essentially, each one of them is a zero countdown up to where we are now. And I'm saying, severally I've come before you and I've said that look, that scroll where there is weeping and so forth as you see in fact here, who shall make the seals and open it, it is actually the blueprint for the redemption of mankind, the redemption of the church. Meaning, heaven is the home of redemption. This is what he's saying here. It's the home of the scroll of God's redemption. The home of the redemption of man. The home of redemption, beloved people. When you will have been redeemed from death. That whatsoever is in heaven has been redeemed. And he says here, written on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth, could, meaning under the sea also, could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside it. Verse 5 of Revelation chapter 5, he says, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and his seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as though it had been slain. I've just described to you how the Lord showed me this. Standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. In other words, he's saying, heaven is where we will live and be astounded on who the Messiah is. Because now you see the four living creatures surrounding him, the ones that are around God the Father himself. There is so much about the Messiah I have not even shared with you people. Even the interaction of the Messiah and he that speaks with you. I have only shared I think one or two, a little bit of some. And he says here tremendous that now the Messiah, the majesty of the Messiah, the home of the Messiah's majesty, will see him now enthroned in his majesty, beloved people. And he says, encircled by these living creatures. He says, he says the root, Christ and Abid, the root of David, the tribe, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. And is able to open the scroll and his seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as though it had destroyed slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders, the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all over the earth. I don't have time to go into this, beloved people, but you know that the horns, because I've preached to you for a long time now, about even the beast that is coming, and the ten horns, and so forth, and the crown, and the blasphemies around his head, and the ten heads, and the ten the horns, the seven heads, rather, and the ten horns. I've spoken about Revelation 13. I've preached to you across the globe. But listen, beloved people, 
the horns you see here, and I told you that then, but in this context also, the horn essentially represents the authority of that kingdom, of that king, and that kingdom. We now see here something very amazing, very revelatory. This is very much revelation because he's saying that the lamb he saw had seven horns. And the Lord is using this to demonstrate that in heaven is where the consummation, the completion of everything shall take place, the perfection of all the missions that had been set out for the redemption of men from sin shall have completed, shall have been achieved and gained. Ganado in Spanish. Shall have been gained in heaven, achieved. Why the completion? Because he's saying, essential as we hold on to the book of Revelation chapter 5, if you just turn with me a, a little bit, only a little bit, to Genesis chapter 2, then you'll understand it even a little better. And in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 on, he says, okay, you can start from verse, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. He says, God saw that all he had made, God saw that all he had made, sorry about that, he says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good, different versions of course, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. You see that now, that is day number six. And when you go to Genesis chapter two, verse one to three, this is what you hear him say. He's saying, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Meaning in the entire spectrum, the completion of the creation of heaven and earth. Then he says, verse 2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. On the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now we can go back to the book of Revelation chapter 5 then and continue. So now you understand the seven horns that the Messiah beholds in heaven. He says, Then I saw the lamb encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, and the lamb had seven, he had seven horns and seven eyes. He says, which are the spirits of God, the spirits of God sent into the churches. Look at it now. The seven horns, now here, having read the book of Genesis chapter 1, all the way verse 31, and then Genesis 2, verses 1 to 3. Now you understand that the seven horns talk about the completion and the perfection of the authority of God that is given to the Messiah. That is what seven stood for, from creation. Seven now was the perfecting of the creation, the completion, the consummation of creation. He had finished. And here seven horns standing for the completion and the perfecting of the authority of the kingship and the kingdom and the reign of the Messiah. And the excellent, in other words, complete authority, perfect authority. 
And the seven eyes say insight, complete insight, complete wisdom, perfect insight, perfect knowledge, perfect wisdom. It's talking about the reign of the Messiah, his reignship, his kingdomship, how it will look like. And so, he is describing heaven here, beloved people, the home of redemption. And he says, it is the home at which we will see the Messiah in the array of his majesty and revealed splendor. This is the revelation of the Messiah that will take place there. And he says, verse 7, Revelation chapter 5, he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell to the ground before the Lamb. Each one had a half, and they beheld golden bowls full of incense. They were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Verse 9. And they sang a song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I saw, I, then I heard the voice again, then I looked and I heard the voice of angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand, meaning in their greatest zillions, millions of trillions and billions, whatever the number. And they encircled the throne of the, with, and the living creatures and the elders. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise and authority and everything and treasure. Hallelujah. You can add everything treasurous to the Lord. Big treasure. Meaning, heaven is where the Lamb will be recompensed. He will be rewarded for redeeming us, redeeming the church. And he goes on, beloved people, on and on, after verse 14, he says, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, to be praised, be praised and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Meaning, heaven is where we will worship the Lord and his Christ and the Holy Spirit forever and ever in splendor and joy and peace. We will sing hallelujah to God and his Christ the Lamb and to the Holy Spirit and his Lordship forever in tremendous celebration and equate it to a banquet, beloved people, a wedding feast that never ends, a celebration that will never end. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. So, beloved people,
before you now see that the Lord is introducing heaven to you in a tremendous manner and he's saying that heaven is the objective of salvation. That is the reason you are gathering in churches today. And I have said this again and again across the earth that I have been all over the world. I have traversed the earth preparing the way for the coming of the Lord my Savior. My Lord. The Messiah. But in the process, I have never ever found someone saying, the reason I've come to church is because I want to go to hell. Never. So heaven remains the objective of why you are gathered today. The objective of Christian salvation. That is why the salvation of the grace was given. That's why the Messiah came out. And that's why this sermon is really, really central. So, in order to develop my perspective here, as I enter a new dimension of this sermon, the New Jerusalem, I want to look at a few things here. Again, just to recap, Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, we read all the way you saw. How John was taken into heaven, and he saw everything. He saw the Christ, and he saw with the garment all the way to his feet, the sash across his chest, the golden sash, his hair is like fire blazing, the, the, the feet like bronze in the furnace, all this description we have seen. But when you go to the book of First Thessalonians, beloved people, First Thessalonians, if you don't mind, then it, very, it gives a very important instruction on heaven. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 on, look at what he says here. He says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of God, of the archangel, and the trumpet call of God. Again, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Headed where? To heaven. And it says, verse 17, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will be with the Lord forever and ever. Then he says, therefore encourage one another with his words. He's talking about the church now, how the church ought to relate with heaven. He says, the holy elect, those who have been faithful to the Lord, who have observed the command of righteousness, those who have received the Holy Spirit and rejected the moral decay of this world, the ministers, the short dresses, the tight trousers, the unholy immorality in the church, those who have chosen the righteous way, the ways of the Lord, the narrow Lord of Matthew 7, 14, 13 to 14. He's saying, now they will enter. And God himself, the Lord Jesus himself will step down the stairs of heaven that have been lowered. Those stairs. He will step down those stairs and come take the church. Hallelujah. And take her into the kingdom of God. And he's saying that we will be with him in heaven forever. Together with his father and our father. His God and our God. And the blessed Holy Spirit, my one and only friend. On the earth here. 
And you see First Corinthians, same thing. He brings out same message, chapter 15. First Corinthians, chapter 15, beloved people. He brings out the same treasured message to the church. Regarding heaven, beloved people. First Corinthians, chapter 15. And he says this. In First Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 56, he says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, cannot enter heaven. Lord of the perishable inherit the imperishable. And he says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Verse 53. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality. When the perishable have clothed itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory, meaning heaven is the home of victory. Heaven is where death will never touch you again. There is no death. There is no sin. The wages of sin is death. This is what he is trying to say to you here. That the sorrows you see about death and mourning and weeping and disease that causes death, the agony, the crime, the murders, the bloodshed, you see on the earth, will not be in heaven, beloved people. It is the eternal home of the righteous in the safety, it is the safeguard, the safety of God Himself. And he says on, beloved people, verse 54, when the perishable has clothed itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written is true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Then he says, where all death is your victory? Where all death is your thing? This death that you see disturbing the earth here today, it will never ever disturb you once you enter heaven. How awesome. How profitable. How worthy to prepare. How beautiful to enter heaven. How wise for the church. The sin of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks to God, He gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on. And then now, in Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, as I now begin to wind down, take a short break, then I come back with New Jerusalem. In the book of Revelation, beloved people, chapter 3, we are going to come back to Revelation chapter 3. I'll just give you a little nugget of it. Now it is heaven. He's talking about the glorious kingdom of heaven, the purpose and the center core of the mission of the salvation of the grace. Heaven, heaven, heaven. So when you see the church today in Australia, in Melbourne, in Sydney, in Perth, in Adelaide, in Brisbane, in all the cities, all over, in Christ Church, down in New Zealand, Auckland, in Lisbon, you see the church in Helsinki, in Vascular, wherever, you see in, in Stockholm, in the whole of the Paulo, the church in, the, in Rio de Janeiro, you see them wallowing in sin, then you're like, oh my, oh my Lord. 
these people have not even comprehended the very center core of the mission of the Christ to come and prepare the church for heaven, deliver the church for heaven. How can they lose focus? So in other words, the Lord is saying that if you look at the mission of the Messiah to the earth, and he says, this is the paradigm he sets, this is the chronology he lays out, before we take a short break. He says, number one, to speak to the church and prepare the church for rapture. In other words, to deliver the church for rapture. So the agenda of the coming of the Messiah is rapture. That you and I, of course for me I have another mission after rapture, but that you may be able to be raptured. To enter heaven. Hey. And after that, then now you see the mission for which I am speaking. He that speaks with you has the other mission. So the first part is rapture. The second part is retribution. It's called retributive justice. When the judgment of God will behold, will befall the earth, behold on the earth in a manner unbearable. In the tribulation and the great tribulation and all the other events I've seen myself. I don't know what happens really. But I've seen a tremendous part which is so bad involving plagues and levies. Demolition, the earth opening and swallowing cities. I've seen myself engaged in another mission, in another agenda of the Lord, another duty of God. But I'm saying the rapture is agenda one. And then after that you see the laying out in the prophetic timeline, tribulation, retributive justice, retribution, beloved people, number two. And he says number three is now the revelation of our God. The revelation of the Christ. The revelation of the Messiah. So I'm going to come back and I'll handle some part of that revelation now. That you may see now how our entry to heaven is essentially entry into the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem, the home of the righteous and then when I describe it, you lay down everything that has distracted you and you say, I don't want to miss heaven again. You make heaven your agenda. May the Lord bless you, beloved people. As we take a short 7 to 10 minute break, then I come back with the new Jerusalem. Then I will release you to go back to enjoying this tremendous, astounding, astronomical anointing that has come raising cripples, raising the dead, and enjoy preparing to come to Nairobi, knowing that the very focus of this visitation is heaven, that the church may see this and get to prepare for the glorious kingdom of heaven. Remember when the Messiah came, he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Shalom to that. Tell me your 